Welcome to the False Neutral. This is episode number 68. I am Eric, and it's Garrett. So I don't know when the last time we were doing a show together, but it's been quite some time. It's been a really long time. Yeah, both. Of I'm our... glad that you know what episode this is, because I don't. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing a little bit. I, I didn't pull it up, but I'm like, I think it's this one. So and if it's not, well, close enough. We're yeah. within one or two. So uh, when we get to the one where we, when we get to be episode 100, we'll make sure we nail that one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, your schedule and my schedule have just been on like opposite ends of the spectrum of late. So it's just one of those things to try to get us together for like even 20 minutes to record a show is it's been pretty rough. Yep. So you're still busy with, uh, with school and work and kids, right? Yes. Uh, but I've been finding some time to motorcycle here and there. Um, which reminds me on my last ride trip, I never mentioned it, but we stopped at this, gas station in the middle of nowhere um and i came across this guy on an old gold wing and he had his wife with him when they were a really young couple uh and so i got to to chatting with them and they were coming from utah and you know we we're in washington state and so i thought well man you guys are diehard riders coming all the way from utah and the guy's like oh you have no idea and he starts telling me about some of the different trips that he's done on his Goldwing. And he did the 48 and 10, 48 states in 10 days. Ooh. So the entire lower 48 in 10 days on his Goldwing. Uh, he was telling me about one day he did, um, rode all day, rode a thousand miles and was just so fatigued he went to get off of his bike he and he had his wife on the back too he went to put his leg down and there's just nothing there <laughs> and you know he ended up falling over but um it's, it wasn't a big deal for for the bike or anything and for them i mean they were stopped because it is an old gold wing i mean it's um i think it's one of the what 1600 cc it's not like the the big motored one so i think it was probably a, a early 90s vintage okay um and he bought it with 30,000 miles on it and now he's got about 100,000 miles <laughs> on it and and he's only owned it owned it for 5 years wow yeah so i mean he put some massive miles on the thing and i was thinking about how nice it would be cuz you know we had just that day where we had stopped and talked to that guy um at that point we had done about 200 miles and i was miserable i mean an fz1 isn't a bad touring bike but it's not a gold wing and you know my butt was sore you know my 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 head and neck kind of get sore because you know i don't have a windshield or anything so i'm like pressing up into the wind the entire time so you know it gets your neck a little bit tired um, and then I was thinking about how amazing it would be to have a Goldwing or something equivalent and how cheap a bike like that is. You know, an early 90s Goldwing for 3500 bucks. Man, I have myself halfway committed to <laughs> either selling the FC1 and buying a Goldwing or maybe just finding a really cheap Goldwing that I don't really care about and, and putting miles on it. Because... Sorry. That, that yeah. bike is just so big, though. I know. I just... 900 and... What did he say his weight? 958 pounds or something like that. Yeah. Like, I can see... Uh, 
like an FJ 1300 or whatever the equivalent yeah. of that is, where it's yeah. like you get most of those creature comforts, but it's, yeah. you know, under yeah. 650 pounds. Yeah, they're a lot lighter, but they're not nearly as luxuriously comfortable as yeah. a Goldwing. And, you know, on a, a touring, like a long distance touring bike, because if I got something like that, I mean, I would probably I wouldn't do 4810, but I would put some touring miles on it. Um, and I think I would rather have a Goldwing for something like that. But um, a good friend of mine did have an FJR 1300. Uh, he now has a new BMW touring bike, but his FJR was an amazing machine and I really liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, guy that I know out in, um, in the Bay area, um, he, oh, wow, this is 10 years ago now. Cause he had got one right before we all went to, uh, uh MotoGP at Laguna Seca. And I remember looking at him like, eh, but then, well, you'd have to know cycle Tom. Uh, but, uh, he's sitting there doing wheelies on the yeah. thing, you know? Well, they are really powerful and they have a tremendous amount of torque. I mean, as far as power goes, they far outmatch a, a Goldwing. But then again, I don't, and something like that, I just really wouldn't care about that much power. Mm -hmm. It would be nice to have, but I think that I would rather have, you know, the fully loaded Goldwing that's got the air suspension and CB radio and all the other goodies that they have on them. One thing that he did make note of, and it makes sense is um, because they are completely blocked in on the front where they have a windshield and, you know, like the whole bodywork covers your mm -hmm. legs. They're really warm. Like yeah. on a hot day, there is virtually no airflow on you. So it can be pretty uncomfortable in warm weather. So, but So, so your, your two-wheeled Accord needs air conditioning? Is that what it says? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know why they don't have it. They have heaters. Yeah. No air conditioning. It's funny because I... They've I, got I, one goofy little vent that's like maybe two inches by five inches in the middle of the windshield that you can open up. So you get like <laughs> <laughs> just just a, enough breeze where you kind of feel some hot air rushing at you but like nothing to cool you down yeah i, I make the joke but I, I as i remember 15 years ago or whatever when i was riding sport bikes all the time or whatever and, and one of the guys i rode with always looked at gold wings or the equivalent bmw and said why don't you just buy an accord because <laughs> yeah. it because it has you know stereo know. and heater and cruise control right. and I, an know, accord would be much more comfortable yes. to <laughs> to uh go on road trips with but and i don't a goldwing is still a motorcycle i just don't know if you really get the same benefit on a goldwing like you know does it really feel like a motorcycle when you're riding it compared to yeah you know I, it's something. one of those things where you need to find like an eagle riders or something where you can rent one for like a weekend or four days or something and like you know it, it's worth the 500 bucks to to see yeah. right without Committing to one fully yeah. on your own, right? And if it's great, yes. And if it's not, yeah. eh, well, you know, you rode someone else's bike for four days, so. Yeah, exactly. Um, which, uh, when uh, when we had Pete and Ethan on uh, a few weeks ago talking about smack dab, and he, Ethan was talking about Eagle Riders, I'm like, mm, maybe that's not a bad idea. It's like, let me see if there's one around me and let me see what I could rent. There are no Eagle Riders in the state of Michigan. Oh, really? Yeah. There used to be one about eighty or ninety miles, about eighty miles from where I am outside of Jackson, in a town called Cement City. 
Um, and that's actually the name of it. It's called Cement City. Yeah. Um, there's a big Harley Davidson store there at one time, and I think they had the Eagle Riders franchise, whatever. But yeah, there's not. There's the, I think the closest one is either Columbus or Cleveland. Mm. So, and then most of them are pretty much all are Harley Harley deals, but a few of them have like uh, BMWs, and then some of them in California actually have a few KTM's. So. Yeah. Well, uh, one of my good friends, um, he actually just lives down the street from me. He got a brand new Harley Davidson road glide. Mm -hmm. And so I could take that and ride it anytime I want. So maybe I'll take that for my next, uh, touring ride and see how I like a big, heavy underpowered touring bike. (laughs) Um, speaking of those, Uh, I was, I'm just looking, uh, not to interrupt you, but I, I was just looking in, in, uh, Portland, Oregon does have an Eagle Riders, uh, and they do have uh, Gold Wings, some of the newer Gold Wing models, and some D- BMWs. Um, and let's see, they also have a Triumph Tiger 800, which isn't really a touring bike, but could be kind of a nice compromise. Yeah, yeah, that might. Be, oh, there you go. It might be worth trying. Trying. Uh, trying one of those. Yeah. Um, I saw the other day in the past. Well, let's just say in the past week, because it's all kind of blends together for me. This past ten days. Uh, a full dresser Indian, mm-hmm. and um, honestly, it looked kind of good. Yeah, and it didn't sound. It didn't have. <clears throat> excuse me, have that obnoxious Harley potato potato sound. Yeah, it, it, it's just different enough that it's like, yeah, it sounds like a big V twin, mm-hmm. slow revving, whatever. But it was like, okay, it sounded different enough, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, my local dealership, among other brands, sells Indian, and I've taken a walk around the dealership and looked at some of their models, and honestly, the fit and finish on the Indian bikes, I think, is really nice. Hmm. Um, Just a visual comparison between Indians and other brands, Um, kind of the level of detail in their finish quality looks to be really good from first glance and um also the kind of the styling especially like with their front and shape and some of the colors that they use are like kind of more classic colors like it's lighting with a tan insert and also with a brown leather that they do on the seats um i as far as the difference between Harley and Indian goes, I really, if I were looking at something like that, would gravitate towards Indian, at least for nothing else, the um, kind of finish quality of them and the materials and the colors and things that they use. So they, they look really good in person. Hmm. Uh, there's a, there's an Indian dealer uh, 15 minutes away from me. Um, and I think they're the ones who ha- are the zero dealer. And I actually had talked to them at one point when they were at a event and they also have, uh, they seem to be willing to let people take the zeros out for rides. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm like, mm, okay, maybe I need to talk to them about a little video video production yeah. swap for a little bike yeah. time, you know? <laughs> well, speaking of zeros, um, Zach Quartz from the Motorcyclist magazine um, just did a MC Commute, the latest one, which I think just came out the other day, and he rides a zero uh, to work. And I haven't watched it yet, but... Um, I've been meaning to. It's something that I really want to see him review. I uh, I watched I, I watched that this morning uh, as I was drinking my coffee, and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean he he seemed to like it a lot. But there is one interesting 
combination that you can't do with them, which I found fascinating. So you can either get the extended range battery uh-huh. or you can get the fast charger, but you can't do both. Mm. Um, so I found that interesting. And then so they there's their bike was standard with the fast charging. And he said you were safe at about 80, mi- 80 to 90 miles. Oh, really? Well, you know, that's really not bad. And how long did they say it it takes to charge it? He didn't. All he said is he was saying that, well, um, you if you if you just park it in your garage and you plug it into 110, by the time you get up in the morning, you're fine. I'm going to guess it probably takes about four to six hours on 110 because it's a yeah, that was a I want to say it's a 13 kilowatt hour battery. Yeah. And then the extended one was just shy of 16. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I ride locally, I rarely do more than 80 miles. If I'm on a touring trip, then, you know, that's a different story. But um, if a person was just kind of doing their uh, normal commute, their uh, job commute on one, uh, I could see it being um, a decent option because that's really not a bad range. Yeah, I, I mean that's more than my mother-in-law's BMW i3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. Uh, yeah, that's only about seventy-five, eighty miles with the extended range pack. Yeah. Oh wow. She, oh, even with the extended range pack. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not very far at all. No, I, I, for, I especially for at those cars cost. It's I don't know, kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and, and I know the actual engine and that thing's a bit of a joke too. So yeah, um, right. Yeah, it, it's one of those things of, and maybe it's just because it takes time or miles to get to the actual decent riding roads around me Mm -hmm. Um, at like 120 to 150 i could see it because yeah you could commute but then you could go for your saturday morning or sunday morning rides on it you know and have some fun because it actually looked like it handled really well and a a few people pointed out some errors in zach's commentary that he says you know well the torque's reduced at lower throttle um that you're not getting the full boost full boost of the torque which was like a hundred and 16 foot pounds of torque or something are you serious yeah yeah it's like 70 wow. horsepower 70 horsepower but 116 foot pounds of torque which it's electric that is right? ridiculous um but as someone pointed out well it's it doesn't feel that way because it's geared like you're in because it's one gear right it's direct right. drive so it's geared like third gear so it uh, right. it's not going to feel like you're getting that full hit um yeah you don't have that torque multiplication yep exactly uh and then the other issue is is pricing on it um you're paying for the privilege of being in the future. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it's it's a And f- I imagine there's no tax credits like there are with automobiles. <laughs> I I doubt it. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's like a 15 to 18,000 dollar motorcycle depending Whoa. on Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, you are paying for the privilege. <laughs> so as he said, you can't really compare it to any other 15 or 18,000 dollar motorcycle cuz from a performance standpoint, it's more like an FZ07. Or yeah. uh, or a Kawasaki uh, Ninja 650 is actually right. he says it was kind of a really good uh, parallel to it, but at two and a half times that, you know, uh-huh. or two yeah. times two to two and a half times that, it's like, so yeah, yeah. you got to figure. And then it is like you know depending on how much you ride, okay, so then you figure in oil change and maintenance and a bunch of other stuff. Does it act and, and plus fuel? So right. does it make a difference? Like, eh, it's, I don't think those numbers jive, but... Yeah. And, and also, like, for a electric motorcycle whose technology is rapidly evolving, um, if you're trying to factor in a long-term payoff, 
you know, is that really a long-term bike? Yeah. You know, with the battery technology and also like the batteries don't last forever. At some point, it'll have to be changed out. I mean, it'll last a really long time. I mean, I think these modern batteries are going for a decade. Minimum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But still, you know, if if it's not properly charged regularly and and, you know, there are some things that could uh, kind of reduce its long term payoff. And so it's kind of for my point of view it seems a little difficult to factor in a long-term payoff in a bike like that yeah it it, it it's going to be one of those things of you are not I, I well before i i, I kind of sum that up um i do have to say as he's riding it it's like uh he well a he has a good helmet because there really wasn't a bunch of wind noise even at highway yeah. speed and something but you realize just how quiet those bikes are yeah, uh, like when you're first taking off, you hear the whine of the of the electric engine, and I'm sure it's still going at speed, but just the wind noise kind of cancels that out. But yeah. as you watch this video, you're going to be amazed at how quiet it is. It's like it's not like he's in a studio talking, mm-hmm. but it's way better than most motor his most of the motorcycle commute yeah. videos are as far as audio quality. That's something that I would love because I I really appreciate quiet motorcycles. And, you know, like I put a Yoshimir exhaust on my FC one and I took the baffle out um, and rode it for like 100 feet, turned around, came home and put the, <laughs> the baffle back in just because I couldn't do it. And that was the prime. I bought the Yoshimir exhaust primarily because it had a MIV exhaust on it when I bought it and mm-hmm. it was obnoxiously loud. But the muffler size was quite a bit smaller. So I bought the Yoshimir and it was quite a bit quieter. Um, and so I thought, yeah, maybe I can run it without the baffle. And no, I just had to put it back in. <laughs> and then one of my good riding buddies, Joe, he was on the last podcast on his FC09, which is the bike that we do our touring trips with. Um, I made him put his baffle back in his bike because I didn't want to listen to it <laughs> <laughs> riding around with him. So, yeah, a quiet bike would be nice. Yeah. But to to sort of sum up the that zero, uh, I, I would say... If if well, you know it being quiet or it being sort of a bike from the future or you just want to be on the on the on the bleeding edge, then yeah, I mean maybe that premium's worth it to you. You're always going to pay. Yeah. You're always going to pay a premium for being on the bleeding edge, right? Yeah, and, and it's really similar to electric cars. Sure. I mean, you have to pay a premium to purchase them, and you're limited compared to a gasoline powered car in, in a lot of ways, you know, with the range and things like that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you're, you're paying for, uh, you know, the future really. And if that's something that you really gravitate towards and have at it. Yeah. And I would have to say, I hope that there, they, that there is a reasonable business case for them to keep driving it forward because that's the only way it's gonna, gonna yeah. move anywhere. And you know, that some of these, some of these, uh, manufacturers still continue to race yeah, to to kind of develop the bikes that way as well. So right, um, I'm well, actually I'm actually interested to see what Honda comes up with in the next few years because, I mean their their Mugen arm has been racing at the Isle of Man for a few years now. Yeah, um, so they've got to pay that technology off sometime. Right, and you know I think things like Formula E even in the automotive world will help kind of pull interest into the electric technology mm-hmm. and and. And motorcycles, and it might happen in racing first before it really takes off in the consumer world. Um, I would love to see or ride uh, an electric dirt bike. That's something where I really don't put a lot of miles on a dirt bike, and having all of that torque, and also like not really having to shift it. 
I think would be fantastic in the off-road world. So you saw that KTM is going to bring the freestyle to the U.S., right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, really limited. I mean, it's almost like you got to call your dealer and beg, borrow, and plead that for them yeah. to get you one, but still. Um, yeah, my I can almost guarantee that my father-in-law will have one. He is a KTM junkie, and he buys every new model of KTM, uh, he goes to his local KTM dealer and says, I don't care what it takes, get me it. Mm. And so um, when the KTM 350 SX first came out, um, he went to his KTM dealer and said, I buy it. I have, to, I have to have it. You have to get me one of the first ones. And so he ended up getting one of the first five 350 SXs wow. that came to the United States. I ended up buying that bike from him and rode it for quite a long time. Um, but he is really interested in the electric bikes. And so if, if he has the opportunity to get one, he absolutely will. And so if that happens, I'll definitely have him on the show. And yeah. We'll talk to him about it. Yeah. I mean, it, it looked, it was pretty interesting. I mean, the battery pack on that's pretty small and it seems a little limited in writing, but the fact it seemed like if I remember this, right, cause it's been a couple of weeks, you could actually sort of fast swap the batteries out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and they, and yeah, they're expensive. The packs are expensive, but if you had two or three packs, you mm-hmm. could probably do a reasonable day's riding, it seems like. Yeah. Yep. And then just bring your portable generator and plug them in. <laughs> right. Yeah. You charge them and as you're I out riding. I have one of those suitcase Honda generators that, you know, it doesn't put out a lot of power, but probably enough to run a charger for one of those things to at least charge it overnight. Um, I was watching something else today and uh, it was a dirt every day uh, uh, quick take or whatever. And they were talking about uh-huh. uh, government auctions. And yep. there's a certain site, you know, whatever you go to. And, and I'm looking at all the stuff for, like, uh, vehicles. And they're like, oh, generators. Okay, what's on generators? A, like a 3,500-kilowatt diesel generator for, like, $700. I'm like, yes! Because <laughs> that, yeah. that'll run, like, forever, right? That'll run your whole house, probably. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, no, is that uh, not... Yeah, kilowatt. I mean, that's a pretty big generator. The one that I have is like sixty five hundred consistent. It's like eight eighty five hundred peak, sixty five hundred consistent, or nine thousand peak, seventy five hundred consistent, whatever. And I can yeah. run most of my house. But I'm sitting there thinking, well, if it's not ridiculously heavy, because it didn't look too big. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. You throw that in the bed of your truck. You fire it up, and you know, you take it to the track or out into the out in the woods with you. And if you're going riding, it'd be it'd be great because that thing will yeah. run for like thirty six hours on two gallons of fuel. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely and as cheap as that is but I don't, I don't know how loud it would be but whatever you know, yeah deal with that yeah um so yeah that was uh yeah the, the, the electric thing is actually pretty cool and, and and like 10 years ago i remember seeing the first i don't i don't remember if it was a zero or whatever but i mean it mm-hmm. literally looked like i've got pictures of it with dave sadowski on it because yeah. he was hanging out at our campsite and it was like two different power levels in it. And I mean, it's really janky looking. Yeah. <laughs> I will, if I can find, I, I think I, I, I think I have that album of photos on a specific hard drive and I will pull it up from MotoGP 2007. Uh, and, and if I do, and I've, I have pictures, it's like I said, you'll, you'll laugh when you see it. And yep. um, just how far, I mean, 10 years is a long time. Let's not be honest, but considering it was basically like slapped together, basically not a glorified dirt bike. I mean, yeah. a, like a pedal bike, dirt bike, BMX. No, not what, what's the, uh, not a BMX, but a rope, whatever those cross style pedal bikes are. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
cyclocross something like that yeah yeah um just out of curiosity 2007 moto gp not in this folder sorry we're gonna we're gonna i'm gonna talk and look at the same time here for a second so you'll uh, the audience you'll excuse me because i'm actually like if i don't think about this right now and do it right now i'm gonna not do it so yeah and and speaking of those electric motorcycles i don't know if it was last year or the year before that um and the red bull what is it called like the red bull rhythm Mm -hmm. race um somebody ran a electric motorcycle in it and got into the finals with it um and proved that it was really quick um and had you know, good ability to jump some of the large jumps and, and the rider did a really great job with it. And, uh, it was very competitive amongst all of the other motocross bikes that were participating in it. Cool. Yeah. I think Red Bull straight rhythm. Is that what it's called? Something like that. That sounds, that sounds right. Huh? Okay. Well, I know I've got it on my hard drive somewhere and if not, it's on like Flickr or something like that. But, um, because I, I know I did it because I found the photos and when Nikki passed away. I was I pulled a photo from, from that MotoGP race. So I know I've got it somewhere. Uh, well, anyways, I'll I'll send it to you too, uh, just outside of this. But uh, anyway, moving on. Uh, so I was we were talking before the show started. I was telling Garrett, I've been monkeying around with my bike a little bit. Not a lot, but a little bit. Just trying to figure get the points to work right as hoping that that's the issue why it runs on one cylinder all the time and two cylinders occasionally mostly when you're open the throttle <laughs> and after a few seconds um the carburetors will have to sort that'll be a separate disaster to sort again for about the ninth time uh but i've i've i finally got to the point where i'm tired of dealing with points and it's one of those things of points aren't that complicated but they're maddening because i haven't dealt with them in like so long right and there's a company that makes a yeah. literally plug-and-play uh, electronic ignition uh, conversion, and it's like 130 bucks. I'm like, you know what? Because the last two times I've been doing things, I've like damn near thrown thrown stuff around, being so frustrated. Like that alone is worth the money right there. Yeah. Well, and. Uh... Eric and I kind of confirmed that the XS400 has a similar point design to my TX750, which is, uh, it's kind of a difficult design to set up properly because uh, both points mount to one plate, uh, the backing plate, but only one of the points mounts to another plate on top of that plate. So you have to get one set up and lock that plate down and then move the other one. But if you even touch the left one, then it messes both of them, and it's really difficult to get them synced properly. Yeah, it's an absolute nightmare. Um, it takes it takes patience. I don't I don't have. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so when I was setting up my points on my TX750, um, I you know, is doing it according to the manual. And it's like, they should open at this point on the flywheel and close at this point. And I'm like, when like, there's no, I could not, there's no way that I could have set the points up to open or close at the right marks on the flywheel. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And so I finally figured out that 
the flywheel that somebody in the past put on my TX750 was from an XS400 <laughs> um, because the XS400 and the TXM50 take the same flywheel, but their markings are um, not 180 degrees off. They're like 140 degrees oh. off from. And, and so, like, you couldn't even just, like, do it, like, opposite 180 out. Um, and it took me way longer than it should have to figure that out finally. So I ended up having to use a degree wheel and set my own marks on the XS400 flywheel. So now there's like two sets of markings on my flywheel, <laughs> one for the proper point setup and one for what would be proper for your bike. Right. Yeah, that's that's so, nuts. Yeah. That's But yeah, no, I I for as cheap as the electronic setup is for those bikes um I mean, not only is it going to be much easier to set up, but you'll probably end up having a slightly better uh ignition for yeah. your spark energy so you'll um probably even it'll run a little bit better too and and the best part of it was you can use the stock coils and everything so you don't have to replace those you know yeah. makes things yeah. much easier or at least one one less one less thing to deal with on uh on that conversion yeah. So. um yeah so that's good I'm just looking at one other thing. So that was Flickr, and it's those photos aren't there. Sorry, I'm determined to find these photos. It's, I know it's it's dumb, but um, was it photos.google.com? Yes. So we're gonna look at albums here quickly, and if it's not here, then I'll we'll move on and probably wrap up the show. But I just I want to find this thing because it's driving me nuts. And yeah, it's not there. There's my TCR250. There's my nice. Fireblade. <laughs> Oh, you had a Fireblade too. Yeah, ninety four. Uh, when yeah. I sold the when I sold the two fifty, uh, I bought a a ninety four Fireblade, and it was a nice bike. It was well done. Had a D and D exhaust. Uh, it was a someone had painted the bodywork a different this like black cherry metallic. I want to say it was, and it looked yeah. really good. I mean, it looked it, it looked really good, and I didn't. And it was a great bike. It, it did absolutely nothing for me. You know, it's yeah, one of those bikes just that just didn't click with you. Yeah, I mean, it was it was the perfect Honda in that it was a great bike that just. Well, that's I. That's kind of the Honda thing, though, too. Yeah. Like they're just so clinical, yes. and you know, nothing's really like brilliant. Everything just works well, but there's nothing that really excites you, and that's been kind of a thing with a lot of their models. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's true. I'll, um, I'm putting the link to the uh, Google album here in the chat, and then uh, I'll see if I can find the pull a TZR two the TZR two fifty as well. Uh, and this was a legit from Japan TZR two fifty that a guy that I know brought it back from because he was a Marine and he was when he was stationed in Okinawa he he brought it home with him. So yeah, that's awesome. Be nice to have that bike still. It would, uh, but it was one of those things of living in this area is completely the wrong area to have that bike. Yeah. Because there's so many just long straight roads here that mm-hmm. that bike as fun as it would be in the twisties is yeah, it, it's, I remember driving, riding it home from, uh, from the track one night after announcing and I'm on the highway doing 90, 85. Yeah. 85, 90, probably 85. And it's already at like 8,500 or 9,000 RPM. 
and right. these guys on these leader bikes just comes and it's like two in the morning so these guys come zooming past me and they're honest they're doing an honest buck 20 <laughs> you know it's right. like like it's nothing and i'm just like man i'm kind of almost maxed out here so yeah <laughs> um it was it was a, it really was a it was a fun bike and i liked it a lot but if you look at the pictures and i'll, I'll throw in and throw a couple in here uh, you could just look at the back tire and go, yeah, that was ridden straight up and down a lot. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> <laughs> be honest with you. So, anyways, uh, with that, that's probably a, a probably a decent stopping point for this episode. I think we we uh, we you and I were talking like, oh, what are we going to talk about? Well, we got about thirty minutes worth of stuff we <laughs> talked about, so that's a yeah. I'd call that a good show. Yeah. So I would say uh, make sure that you you. Uh, Sorry, I just looked at this like, is that thing still recording? Yes, it's still recording. Thank you. Um, make sure you go over to Facebook and like us over there at facebook.com forward slash the false neutral. And I'm going to ask a question, and I really need, we really need your feedback here. Not I, we really need your feedback. Should we jump on the Patreon bandwagon? And if so, would you be interested in it? We're talking about, and, and here's what Garrett and I were talking about earlier. At a $1 level, you would get access to the show a few days early. At a $5 level, you would get access to us to discuss any future uh, motorcycle or car purchases. And maybe maybe we'd figure something else in there, too. Um, but don't know if it's worth the time to do it, but we'd appreciate your feedback on it to see if it's worthwhile so yeah go over to go over to facebook i'll uh, i'll uh, i forget can i do a poll on i think i can do a poll on facebook so we'll, yeah. we'll ask uh i'll put up a poll on the page uh later this week and we'll we'll throw it up or by the time you hear us i might it might already be up on the on the page so anyways yeah anything else coming up on for you garrett uh i'll be doing another ride uh september 1st through september 4th i think it's labor day weekend i'll be taking a ride down the entirety of the oregon coast via 101 and dropping into california camping at crescent city california and then riding back up the oregon coast so um that'll be coming up here in just about three weeks cool yeah uh, depending on when this comes out it's the uh, to let's see, what is it? The seventeenth of August, so maybe about the time you're about to hear this. Uh, I will be heading up to Canada to go to Canadian Tire Motorsport Park and announce the uh, Canadian Superbike races again. That'll be I don't oh, know, nice. God, I've been going up there since like 2000, uh, and I've officially been announcing up there for over 10 years now, and kind of like filling in a few times here and there, just like spot spot announcing here and there. But yeah, so. Most of the time I've been going up there, I've been, been announcing at least a little bit. So, uh, Cool. But, yeah, solid decade anyway. So, Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think that'll wrap up this episode. So until we talk to you again, have fun, be good. Most importantly, keep it on two wheels. We'll talk with you soon. Bye-bye.